I want to say we're in the same time zone. I'm in the, it's eight o'clock right now for me. Same. Perfect. So I, I, I'm not the, every time I talk to somebody, I'm like, oh, how's your evening going? And they're like, oh, it's, uh, it's daytime for me. But uh, no, it's yeah, nice. we got the same, yeah, same thing going on. Uh, so how's your evening going? Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I did some writing earlier today, so I always like to get them, uh, get it done usually every other day, at least. So got that done. So I'm happy. And now I'm just chilling out. Hey, man, perfect, perfect segue into, uh, I, I, I listen, like I, I tend to have a, uh, whatchamacallit, I, I listen to everybody's different, um, man, I can't speak today. It's, it's 8 p.m. for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I look fine. into everybody's content. So I look at their websites. I look at their social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, I check out their books. I read whatever I can find. I find out you're a wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and, yeah. and, you know, so uh, I, I was listening to the podcast uh, episode on YouTube from uh, Cinnabar Moth, where you, yep. you talk to them about your, your book. So uh, yes. I, I, got, I got a pre- introduction to what you sound it like so i do all i do all those little things but um yeah yeah no it's uh that's how i do my little prep beforehand but most of the time it's um it's fairly light chat i remember you're emailing me you're like i'm a little concerned i've never i haven't really done this all too much but <laughs> yeah it's uh I, i'm i'm you know it's it's for me it's it's like we're having a chat over coffee at the table and it's yeah like, it's well it's a new challenge for me because i um like you mentioned, the Cinnabar Moth interview, that was all like I had the questions ahead of time. So it was I, I tried not to sound too scripted, you know, so this is actually kind of better because it's challenging me to be a little more off the cuff, which is nice, actually. I I when I started doing the podcast, it was mo- it was audio only. And that was a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. And then, you know, things happen and stopped the podcast because of health issues because I, I had a concussion. But mm-hmm. um and then, and when I started, I, I wrote questions out. I'm like, I'm gonna ask this person this, 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 and I felt mm-hmm. like it was too, it's too rigid because most people just want to feel like they're talking to you or sitting with you while they're listening to whatever or mm-hmm. watching in this sense. So uh, I, I just, I go through a flow. I, I look at everything and I just, we, we, we ask the general questions like, how did you get into writing or how'd you do this? So uh, we'll go there. You're born and raised in Long Island yes. and you started writing bro, essentially since you were start writing since you were 18 and you start, you wrote your first book. So, yep. Uh, so writing has always been one of those things. And, and in terms of uh, your day to day, are, are you work in writing or is there something else you're doing while you're writing on the side? Yeah. My day to day, actually, I work as a pharmacy technician. So I'm in, in pharmacy, which I actually like, I like doing it. I like um, helping people, helping them solve overly complicated problems with insurances and all that. Uh, so that's my day to day. And then when I'm not working, I try to, again, try to write when I can in the evenings, every other day, usually I'll get a few hours in and that's, that's where I try to fit it in at least. Right. And then your, your, your book that just came out and that you're with uh, Cinnabar Moth. Yes. How did that, how did that come to be? Was that, was that something that was something in the works from when you were 18 or it just kind of came out recently and you've been writing for the last couple of years? Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, my first book when I was 18, I actually did have an agent on that project wow. um, and we got pretty far, but basically what happened was she left, she had her own agency and she had to leave that and go to another firm. Like she closed her firm to join another firm which in the process, the new firm couldn't take on my project, basically, so it didn't work out. So I was actually pretty depressed at that point. I was 18. I was a kid, you know, basically. So I stopped writing for, I think, uh, maybe a decade at that point. 
And then I picked it back up with a new topic. So I found a new topic that really interested me, interested me. So I picked it back up. Um, so I found Cinnabar Moth in 2019, I believe it was. And I found them on Twitter, actually, I believe, funnily enough, which I was always hesitant to join, which I finally did. Um, <laughs> and then from there, yeah, we started talking. They liked the the book idea, so I pitched it to them. And then basically it took quite a while to tweak and edit some things, fix mm -hmm. it up a little bit. And then it came out, you know, just this past uh, December, actually. So it did, yeah, as you can see, it took took a while. Well, you know, sometimes things take a little bit more seasoning and uh, mm -hmm. whatever it is need to be done. Were they, they, they help you with the edits when going through the yeah. process? Oh yeah. They helped me. They helped me quite a bit actually. Yeah. They, uh, they helped me really trim it down. Um, it was actually a lot longer when I first wrote it. So I had to cut out some things, which, you know, is good and bad at times. You obviously want to leave in some things that you're fond of, but sometimes for the strengthening of the story, so to speak, you want to uh, trim out some, some details. So they helped me a lot with that actually. Yeah. They were, they were really good. That's that's great to hear because uh, not too many publishers are great. Even small publishers, publishers, medium publishers, they're not mm -hmm. great with those nitty gritty things and taking you through the process. So uh, at least at least that's a, a positive thing to hear that it was a great experience. Um, yeah, yeah. So let's let's get it let's get into the book and um, tell us a little bit about this. It's called "With God We Burn." Mm -hmm. uh, so tell us a little bit about the story without giving too much of the details away. Sure. Yeah. Well, the the pitch is actually very easy. The pitch is what got me uh, to to get it so far in the process early on, which was basically I pitch it as Romeo and Juliet meets the Crusades. So you have a a young Christian knight who goes to war initially, thinking he's doing the right thing, and it takes a basically a, a Muslim girl's wisdom to show him that he's wrong, and they also fall in love. So obviously, all of the the problems that come about for the both of them through that. Um, I wouldn't really call it a romance book per se, though. Like my publisher actually went ahead and pitched it as historical romance, which I think is, it's not the entire story. The love story is very integral, but it's kind of a coming of age of this Christian knight as he realizes he's he's wrong and he goes through the whole, it follows the first crusade very closely. So it's pretty historical in that sense. So mm -hmm. it's partly a coming of age story and partly a love story, I would say. Uh, and in terms of putting that together for the timeline, the, did you have to do any background research to kind of iron out some details or? Yeah, the, the history was actually probably the most complicated part of the of, of getting the book ready because there were parts of it that were, let's say the Crusades are a delicate period. As you might imagine, it's a very delicate uh, time period for the, the faiths. So it was a lot of figuring out how to get things to be accurate while also being sensitive enough to into our current day standards which you know as you might say i'm not sure if you agree but maybe we're a little more you know sensitive at times than we need to be but that's okay uh you know so i had to kind of adjust things in that sense yeah you know we're i, I would say we're too sensitive and my father i i grew up in a, a kind of a mixed italian english household where uh yeah. Everybody was tough as nails and, and they kind of yeah. like just you break it, you fix it or do things by yourself and uh, suck it up type of mentality. So and and ironically, I'm a teacher, so I kind of it, it's it's like I got a mix of that balance where you're just mm -hmm. trying to you're trying to adhere to the sensitivity of people and stuff. But I, I, I know what you're saying. But yeah, so you, you got you got you got through the manuscript. Uh, Cinnabar Moth uh, helped you get everything done mm -hmm. and in terms of the book cover like who who designed the book cover 
Oh yeah, so uh, actually Cinnabar um, hired hired her. Her name is Ira. Uh, I think it's Gene Genevieve Gen Genevieve. I think mm -hmm. her name is. Um, but she was great. Yeah, she actually helped me with the cover so much. I kind of pitched to her my idea, and then she proceeded to give me some other suggestions along with doing basically what I wanted exactly. So she she was great. She helped me with a lot of different things, and uh, we settled on this this cover, which I'm pretty happy with. But uh, yeah, she's a great artist, so it was it was great. It's uh, it's it really has those layers. It's simple, but it's it has contrast. So you really, you really get, you really get the, I guess that feeling of turmoil because they're they're kind of surrounded by everybody in between everything in the front and the yeah. back. So, uh, I like it. So the religious conflict and in terms of uh, in notes and or, or themes that are in it, there's there's like there's genocide, there's blood, there's murder, there's mental yeah. health, there's kidnapping, there's all kinds of stuff. And, yes. and and obviously the love story stands out uh, like more than anything else. I mean that's the whole mm -hmm. point. They fall in love, right? So yes. Um, in terms of the in terms of the publication stuff, like you you've had it. It's an EPUB form. It's a hardcover. It's paperback. Mm -hmm. Was that something you envisioned? Um, I think the market's kind of dictating ebooks for everything now. Yeah, I mean to be honest, that was my dream was always to kind of have that traditional experience of having the yeah the hard the hard copy book in the in bookstores and all that. And I still am working on that because Cinnabar Moth, uh, they're kind of an up and coming company. They're still growing. <laughs> I think when I first uh, was working with them, they had I think five authors, and now even a couple of years later, they have I think it's probably well over a hundred at this point. So they're they're growing. Um, I don't think they have quite the sway to get into like a Barnes and Nobles per se here in the states. Um, but I'm working on that. But yeah, but you can still order the hard copy. It's it's great to have it in your hand. I I really love that, and that's kind of always been the dream. Yeah, I've I've been following them for a while, and now that you mentioned that, I remember when I, if I don't, I I either I started following them or they follow me first. It's hard to say at this point, but um, on Twitter, and uh, they've come a long way. They have a lot of authors now, including yourself. Yes, and uh, that's that's actually a good thing because in terms of growth as a as an author, if you get a place that really cares about your work and you've had a good experience, if they grow and do and they're successful, then it's also your success, that th type of thing in terms of like, uh, who was telling me this recently? Actually, uh, one of my older uh, episodes in season three was an author in the UK mm -hmm. who had a similar experience and the uh, publisher was starting to reach out into, uh, because there was legalities behind it, other right. Uh, book vendors and stuff and they were like get, we're getting their book so it was great for him he was like so excited so um, <laughs> I imagine it's something similar like that but um, so that's that's super and actually in terms of the Barnes and Noble stuff it's actually on pre-order for Barnes and Noble yeah you can get it on the website I don't think I've gone to my local store and it's like from what I understand you have to pay a pretty penny to actually have the book <laughs> on the uh in on the shelves so that's something that you know <laughs> yeah that'll take some time but yeah you can still order they have it on the website which is great i mean i'm I believe me i'm i'm thrilled so <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a great yeah no i i uh i mean there are local I, I mean you're with the publisher but there are times where some i know i know of indie authors they mm -hmm. go and they try to make a deal with the with local bookstores or for local like we have chapters here right chapters indigo mm -hmm. and they try to like can we for for if you sell yeah. uh, uh then we make money type of thing but mm -hmm. uh i mean it's not always the case but that's cool it's on amazon as well and yep. uh smash words which is uh ironically uh i've never heard of smash words but that's uh you have your ebook under so yes um, that was new to me as well. I hadn't heard of uh, Smashwords either, actually, to be honest. So that's that's cool. <laughs> learn yeah, something new. Hey, learn something new every day. And so that's out. And 
obviously writers, what they like to do is they're always got a million projects. So you have your book, it's out. We hope for some long-term success. Yes. Do you have, are you working on anything else in the meantime? Oh yeah. Yep. So the, that book, uh, I'm working on my eighth novel. So, so, um, with Gabby Byrne is actually my third book in, in the timeline. Um, my second book, which is called Civilization Zero, is part of a uh, five book series now. And on the first book, I, I actually have an agent. Um, his name is Justin Bell. He works over at uh, Spectrum Literary Agency in New York. And he's he's been awesome. He's trying to hook me up with, an, with another book deal for that series. And I'm honestly, I'm pretty hopeful that sometime this year uh, that's going to happen. So I'm just kind of waiting on that, which publishing can be a little slow, as you might uh, imagine. So, but that's fine. You know, we'll, we'll get there. So. Yeah. Uh, in terms of in terms of the uh, finding your agent, a lot of people tell me it's super difficult to find an agent. Did you have the same experience? Uh, to be honest, I I wouldn't say I lucked out. I don't really know if I believe in luck so much, but uh, my neighbor actually knew someone at a publisher okay. who uh, this was a different publisher. This is uh, Blackstone Publishing. So she set me up with him. He liked Civilization Zero quite a bit, but he told me I needed an agent. So I was a bit puzzled. I was like, you know, okay, I'll have to, you know, I started running around looking for an agent, but then I talked to him again and he actually set me up with Justin over at Spectrum. So for me, it was kind of, you know, a friend of a friend. So I think that's usually how it goes. It helps if you have a connection to set you up with someone at a publisher. Otherwise you could be trying to get one for a while. It seems like. Well, I'm happy you did get one because that's what everybody tells me. It's literally impossible to get somebody, especially an agent that really likes your work and likes you and, and yeah. really wants to push for it because otherwise they can just be like, ah, I don't know what to do with this. And, yep. and, and there's so many authors out there right now, but um, that's, that's great. And so that's the book. That's your agent. You're on, uh, you're on Instagram. Uh, yes. Josh G Lang. Mm-hmm. Lang with right. an e, Lang with an E at the end. Yes, and you're on Twitter, Joshua Lang one seventy, which I just mm-hmm. followed you by the way. Oh, thank you. Yep. And you um, in terms of that, I wanted to ask you. I think you're on Facebook as well. Mm-hmm. So um, there's that, and <laughs> because I saw, I have to ask because um, I keep running into people. They're like, oh, you you watch wrestling? I'm like, I used to watch a lot of wrestling. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I said now now not so much because it's kind of I think the landscapes change but uh i mean who's number one who's your favorite wrestler uh well when growing up i was uh, hogan was a little earlier than when i was watching but my my initial favorite was bret hart i always love bret hart um canada's own of course yeah and nowadays yeah like you said it's a bit the landscape has changed right now i probably my favorite is um he's an aw so he's not in wwe uh, his name is jay white yeah, he's just such a lovable dirtbag, and I just have such a fondness for for heels and wrestling the bad guys. And uh, he's just he's just such a dirtbag that I love him. That that's all I can say about him. So, AEW <laughs> was here not long ago in Montreal. Oh yeah, and, yeah. So uh, yes, yes. When a, a student at school was like, oh, "I'm going to the AEW show," and she was so mm-hmm. excited, and I said, well, "Enjoy it." And it's really AEW's kind of I think picked up steam in that sense. But uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. I watch, I watch, but. It, it's, I mean, the storylines, a lot of the wrestlers are almost cookie cutter and yeah, they yeah. just kind of, the storylines are the same and the moves are like, there's like a thousand moves instead of just like the 20, no Bret Hart's anymore. Like nobody's yeah, selling right. the stuff, right? So yes, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's evolved athletically. I would say it's very, very athletic and almost to a point of like, you know, these guys who are like about 30 years old and they're so broken down that it's amazing. They're even getting up in the morning, I guess, which I 
if you're more of a Bret Hart, you'd probably preserve your body a little longer. I would, I would guess that would be the goal. <laughs> but well, they just, yeah, they give everything now. So yeah, the uh, I mean, look at Chris Jericho. That guy, he had mentioned yeah. it a long time ago that he yeah. has changed his diet and he was doing like DDP yoga and stuff, and mm-hmm. that was helping him with his back issues. But the guy's fifty or fifty-ish, still wrestling uh, part time or. Yeah. And then, you, then you look at guys like John Cena who are like animals and they just, I mean, they're probably on something. I don't know. I can't. It could be. I can't, I can't say, but, uh, <laughs> not, you know, wrestling, wrestling, not, wrestling's not for everybody, but, uh, no. outside of that, I mean, um, I was looking at, I was looking at a couple different things and, um, you, you also wrote that you just finished a biography of a 96 year old businessman. Yes. Uh, so tell, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure, sure. So this was another case of a friend of a friend, but a friend of my father's. Um, they worked together in the music business. And so her father's named uh, Raymond Gucciardo. He was, yeah, a successful businessman. Um, and initially, my this friend of a friend wanted my dad to write the biography, which uh, he wasn't quite up to it at the time. So he actually passed it along to me. So uh, yeah, so it was kind of a new experience. I've never done nonfiction to this point. I've only done fiction. So um we started talking, uh, Ray and I, and we kind of hit it off. And then, yeah, I just spent, I want to say, you know, somewhere in the range of 20 hours talking to him over a few weeks and just wrote the bio. It ended up being, I think, um, something like 100 pages, maybe. It wasn't too, too long, which I think you can get pretty involved in that stuff. But mm-hmm. the way that Ray was telling me the story was very much kind of allowed it to be about 100 pages. So that's that's done. And uh, I think the family is still deciding if they want to do self-publishing or if they really want to try and do what I did and go for a traditional route. But I kind of left it in their hands because uh, just as I'm working on so many other things right now. But yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It was it was a blast. That's really cool uh, that you got to experience that. I, I mean, oh, yeah. can imagine you just taking lots of notes, just sitting talking about it, and then I, I listen. You already got picked up by a publisher. I imagine it's fantastic, and it came out really well. And I and I hope they they <laughs> yeah. bu- I hope they publish it right. Um, yeah, I'm sure they. I think they'll they'll decide yeah. soon. So, uh, I just want to ask because you you wrote that you have a, a love for space and UFOs. What yes. what's your take on the um on the UFO situation that uh, they keep talking about <laughs> in the U.S. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a can of worms for sure, but I I I think it's the most interesting story in human history. I'll be honest. I think it's kind of going to be the biggest thing. And when you have so many credible people coming out now, like you know, of course David Grush is kind of the most popular guy right now. He basically was the number one intelligence official in the whole U.S. at one point, and he's talking about how we you know we have this advanced technology. We've downed extraterrestrial vehicles, and we have their dead bodies stored away. I mean, it's incredible. It's like I don't know how you can't see it as at least interesting enough to want to research and figure out what's going on. It's it's incredible, you know. So it's it's almost like as if they were trying to desensitize us to the whole idea through movies. So when we got to the point where they can tell us that, when they tell <laughs> us we're going to be like, where are they? We expected this already. Like, what's yeah. going on? I think there's plenty of uh, evidence of like, yeah, that them do all go into Disney or in the early days in the thirties and forties, they went to Disney and tried to do, you know, the little green men movies, try to make us think it was a joke. And I mean, what better way to cover a secret, right. than making it a, a topic of ridicule, what better way to hide everything. And I think that's kind of what happened. Yeah. That's uh that's what I think. I think, uh, I, I, and we're in that, I think that, um, funnel, mm-hmm. like, you know, when a water bottle is about to explode, it's coming out, it's all pressure is always coming up. Sure, to the top. Yeah, we're, sure. Right now in society with everything going on, we're at that point where it's going to happen and all the information about this and this, and this is going to come out. So, um, 
I hope we find out soon because I don't want to turn 70 and find out. I'd rather find out tomorrow. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly, I feel like it's going to be soon. I feel like, like you said, where it feels like we're on a, a tipping point. And I just feel like whether they, like they recently passed or tried to pass the UAP Disclosure Act, which was actually a pretty big deal. But from what it sounds like, it passed, but maybe not with everything they wanted. So, but I feel like we're just on that cusp of a major, major shift. 2024. That's the major shift for all so. this stuff. It's a major shift for uh, authors, including yourself, who are going to mm -hmm. be able to publish and do all kinds of great stuff. Uh, usually what I do is before we wrap up, I, I give the, the guest the final word. So and maybe in terms of uh, writers or authors who are trying to do exactly what you're doing by getting an agent or a publisher, uh, what kind of words of wisdom do you have for them? Yeah, sure, actually. Well, uh, I kind of learned early on that uh, there's a lot of power in Trusting your vision. So I think what happens is when authors will finish or they'll start working on a project and then they'll immediately want to tell their friends, tell their parents, whoever about it. And I think what happens is when you do that, you diminish the vision a little bit because uh, at least in my experience, when you start to talk about your work, everyone wants to change it. Everyone wants to say, hey, you need to change this. What if you add this? What if you take that out? And for me, that really diminishes your original that crystal that original vision so my advice is trust your gut try to finish your first draft before you get any help and then when it's done yeah then you seek out agents uh publishers but just believe in yourself i think that's that's honestly my best piece of advice that's that's awesome great advice i love it i uh that that really applies i write poetry i, I that yeah. also applies to poetry because you don't every time you finish show it to somebody you're kind of like hesitant but then when they look at it, they're like i would change this but it changes the whole meeting or changes exactly. the outlook and stuff but that's that's awesome um with god we burn by joshua lang it's out it's uh on amazon it's through cinnabar moth publisher you can check them out too and uh follow josh on uh joshua on all his social medias and um Man, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute blast. Make all the demons cry. Yeah, we were built to thrive. Yeah. I think that we've already Thank you, everyone, for being a part of the Mr. Mike Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to your platform of choice. For more updates and exclusive content, visit our website at www.mrmikemtl.com. Stay relaxed, stay inspired, and we'll see you next time.